Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You know what part I'm talking about? Say it again? It's scene... So there's basically five scenes in this movie, so it's scene two when you meet the new bandmates. or chapters. Act chapters. um, Sequences. Five acts in When the young trio is like should i grab our should we grab our stuff and elizabeth moss goes oh yeah <laughs> that's that i mean that's that's after she tells him to get in the studio and gives them a big welcome with her hand to the door and says inward ho yeah <laughs> that whole sequence she's on fire well the whole and movie. meth the whole literal movie linda's eyes have rolled up into the back of her head lynn she looks possessed. She by looks the devil. like speaking of possessed, Elizabeth Moss and her smell. Oh. La la la. Her, her smell. Her smell. Her smell. Linda is her smelling. Yes, Linda is. Her smelling. When I put um when I put my bag full of cat hairs next to her sometimes when I get here, she is smelling her mm. her being my cat. Mm. Mm. She's finding mm. her smell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> are we just starting? God, I wasn't ready. <laughs> this is going to be a 10-minute episode. I just don't have anything to say. I mean, good movie, I am. Why don't we just... No, I mean about, like, like, witty banter at the top of the episode. Oh, um... Because I feel like we've all been absorbed. Because um, I've been... You've been doing... making a film. Yeah. How's that going? It's almost done. Tell us. <laughs> That's it. It's almost done. <laughs> Are you so blessed? So you, you turn it in, and then you go on vacation. Mm-hmm. How blessed Hell is that? Now. And then you get to fall off the Grand Canyon. No. Where are you going? Stone. You get to fall off I the Yellowstone. I get to be stone. trampled by buffalo. <laughs> Ooh. That's better. Trampled by the buffalo. It's a preview for the Lion King. Disney's paying Where's the buffalo it. rum? <laughs> what state are you going to be in? Um, we will be in both Wyoming and Montana. So I just read a collection of Annie Proulx short stories oh. called Wyoming Stories. Oh. And I'm looking wow, forward powerful. to hearing what sort of dormant rural violence you happen oh, upon great. while roaming with the buffalo. Has anyone read The Power of the Dog? Uh-uh. Which is a, a western about um, two brothers who are ranchers. And I'm in. And then one marries a woman, and the other one is like, oh, have I had feelings for my brother? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was just going to say, do they fuck? And, and then they and then it, want to. And then violence happens because of repressed sexual rage. Doing violence. Uh-huh. Wyoming and Utah are the two most repressed states in the union, mm. uh, followed by, I would say, Florida. But Florida is fairly uninhibited, and that includes its uh, bad, its, its uh, bigotries and... Mm-hmm. and uh, Spring break. Violences, et cetera. Yeah. But I w- Florida's not repressed. Florida, unfortunately, has it all figured out in the worst way. Yeah. They are, Florida is living its best life, they which are. is really the worst life. Until they sink into the sea. As will we here in here in Los Angeles, California, mm. Can't Hollywood, wait. here I'm in excited. Hollywood. Can't wait. How long's your trip? Saturday to Saturday. Ooh, well, no. Oh my God. I'll be back 
It's the because my parents were going and I'm just tagging along, so I'm not paying for anything. Are you yeah. driving there? Mm-mm. Yes. I'm fun. I'm flying to my parents' house on Saturday. On Sunday, we drive to my dad's sister's house in Twin Falls, Idaho. Mm. And then Monday morning, we continue to Yellowstone. I've heard Idaho has a robust art scene. I don't know about that. Real, real thriving cultural center, Idaho. Are you going to go velvet butt saw in Idaho? Mm. Yes. Good. I like when Elizabeth Moss and her smell says, Idaho. Good one. It's nice. Sunday. I wish Sunday. I was the bandmate in the back to go, but it's. But um. Thank you. Ah, Virginia Madsen. Mm-hmm. What, when, a, what sweet Rebecca. When she shows up. So I didn't know good. she was in it. I didn't either. I didn't know Cara Delvine was in it. I didn't know any of those oh, women in were in it. The, what's mm. name? Rotten. Roxy Rotten. They all have crazy names. They're pretty hardcore. Oh, my God. And then what's her face from? Amber Benson. Or not Amber Benson. Yeah, from I, I Spring Breakers. Ashley Benson. Ashley Benson. And then Benson. what's her name song. from Kimmy Schmidt? Oh, oh yeah. Xanthippy. Xanthippy. But the actress's <laughs> name is Dylan. And she's in Support the Girls. Garuda. Yes, she is. I love her. She's if I great. were to give my best actress. This is a very Support the Girls movie. It is. It is. If I were to give my best actress, actor, supporting actress, and supporting actor this year, three of four would go to the cast of her smell. Nice. Let's hear it. So it would be Elizabeth Moss. Yes. Matthew McConaughey. Mm. Eric Stoltz. <laughs> and Agnes Dane, mm. who plays Mari. Mm-hmm. Wait. Oh, oh. I was like, what? Matthew McConaughey. Oh, Beach Bum. That's for, the one. For, that's <laughs> not in this movie. Le Beach Bum. Mm. Got it. Wouldn't go to Dan Stevens. Well, I thought about He's it. He's very good. I know, he but is. it's and I want to complete the bit. I mm-hmm. want to. I want to. You know, I like a four quadrant hit, and mm-hmm. her smell that would be my four quadrants. But mm-hmm. it's it's all about the moon dog, baby. Yeah. Hey, I'm just gonna live my life. Mm. Mm. So is Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> so is Becky. Can I live? Ah, uh, thank you for letting me be me. She's <laughs> when she when when the man. The record man asks, do you have one more in you? And she just says, no. No. Or, or she, like, that's mm-hmm. it for me or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I only got one. Yeah. I got nothing left. I think that's what it is. What a grace note. I like, it's, the, I had the same reaction to this as I did to Burning. Like, watching it, I was just sort of, like, hypnotized and, mm-hmm. like, not sure what was hitting me or, like, just letting it, like, wash over me. And then I get to my car and I start crying. Oh, <laughs> It's like, and I don't even know why. I started crying at the piano. Scene. I was gonna say both times. Oh, act, yeah. f- act four makes me cry. Yeah, big tears. Big There's tear also a cut. Big cry. There's a cut in that piano scene where she plays like she's like she and her daughter are playing together at the end, and they're up on like the tippy top, like the high, like chalky mm-hmm. high notes. Mm-hmm. And when she hits that key, we cut to Mari who's watching and no. like a great close up, and it just takes my breath away. Yeah. Don't even see her enter the room. Oh, she's no. just she's been she was there. She's she's right behind me. The whole time. The whole time. <laughs> we and we get to we get to hear Elizabeth Moss play that whole song from mm-hmm. start to finish in one fucking take. It would be weird if all of a sudden the movie started like cutting corners. I know. You know, it's like everything in this movie, like, oh, you're just gonna watch it play out all the way through. I just thought uh they would interrupt her. I mean, obviously it yeah. makes sense that they don't. That but I thought, you know, the door would open and she'd be like, Oh hi. I'm like, when are they gonna come in? Yeah. That's what's so striking about Act Four is how still it is yeah. and in mm-hmm. a sort of aftermath it's reckoning. Um, it's also the only the only part of the film where she walks outside. 
The whole oh, movie yeah. is indoors. Oh, interesting. It's, mm-hmm. the whole, most of the movie is subterranean. It's underground, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. We're in hell. And the only time she walks outside is in the last shot of Act 4 when her yeah. daughter's like, can we go outside? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she's wearing her... Um, her Olympia sweatshirt in mm. the a nod to Slater Kenny or Evergreen or Evergreen rather in Olympia mm. Washington the Evergreen College like athletics department mm. what a lull hell yeah and it's, uh, it's very yeah emotional it's emotional it uh I was moved. it's a nice mirror of the not having one in her at the end those two moments of grace and love with her daughter. Mm. <gasps> I hadn't watched the trailer for this movie, so I really had no idea what. I don't think I've seen the trailer for this what movie. What I was expecting. The trailer is what made me think, oh, I'm actually going to like this. Because there was the the clip that came out, and I was like, oh, that doesn't look is good. Is that the I'll see you in court clip? Uh-huh. I'll see you in court. I mean, that. that you how, just, do you, how do you excise that Yeah, from you the can. Movie? And I think that's, I just that's was unable to process mm-hmm. what this is going mm-hmm. to be. And when when it's, you know, an hour and a half into the movie, then it works. The, um, I can't believe there's an hour and a half of this movie, but like just a full-on assault mm-hmm. until we get that amazing shot at the top of Act Four where she's just sitting on the couch, all the whiteness, and mm-hmm. she just has like the zoned out. It's either Act One stare. or Act Two where it gets like really red and like mm-hmm. really manic. I think it's Act, act Two. It's literally climax. Act Three mm. gets really red too. Oh right! Oh no no sorry yeah. not two. Act it's either one or three. Studio. Act three is like three. the final descent into hell. I think mm-hmm. three is the one that made me think of climax. Did you get that yeah, vibe? I did. Act one has a really good like lulling you into not realizing how bad it is. Yes, until you're almost at the end of act one when mm-hmm. she drops a fucking baby, her yeah. daughter. Mm-hmm. It's very good at just like oh she's just a rock star. Mm-hmm. She's partying there. She's a little weird. She's a little punchy. She's, a little, she's out there. She's mm-hmm. she's got shaman all around her, and she's having visions. And mm-hmm. um, I'll and see then, you in court slowly <laughs> but surely. I mean, I well. Uh, okay, shut up. <laughs> Hi, welcome. I might as well. Uh, oh right. I might as yeah. well knock this out. I'm gonna quickly bang one out. <laughs> this is a live set testing one too. Wow. It's uh, movies IMO. Hello. Uh, Movissimo, we're a podcast where just three film fags coming together to Hi. chat about movies and uh, perhaps catch up. Brandon, how are you doing? Um, uh, I'm good. Did you finish your paper? Yes, it is done. The presentation is done. The other presentation okay. is done. When's I just, the last day of school? So it'll be... It's basically Wednesday. Ooh, I mean, I'll, out for I'll have like another paper and an mm-hmm. exam the following, but like the big stuff that I'm nervous about are is this Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So it's not technically over till the following. This time means nothing because this will have been released. So by the time right. It, so th- anyway, so that's it's almost done. So that's Two your weeks. that's your rose, mm-hmm. and what's your thorn? Uh, what? <laughs> the ro- what you? You're talking I about just you- learned what that is. Yeah. So that game. So the ga- you go around a circle. You say what your rose is and what your thorn is. So the rose is something good that happened today. And, and then the isn't there a third thing? Something bad. The bud. The thing you oh. wish you would have happened. Oh. oh. So all of a sudden you're changing the rules up in here. Bud. Oh. I've heard that. I also heard it very recently. It was it was brought up on a 
Real Housewives. Oh, hell yeah. Because they were going to play Truth or Dare, and someone was like, thank God we're not playing Rose and Thorn again. <laughs> well, Rose and Thorn is not really a fun game. Like, like Truth or Dare has an element of danger to it. It's unpredictable. It could turn into her smell. It Ro- did. It's, 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 been <laughs> it's a Real Housewives episode. <laughs> Rose and Thorn is just a recap mm-hmm. of the day. So what was my Rose? Oh, that my shit's done? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My Thorn is that I haven't presented my shit. Well, that's a real Thorn. That's true. Yeah. Like, I did it, but what if it sucks? Well, my we'll find out. My thorn is that yesterday I was doing my laundry and I forgot to take my clothes out of the washer. I was like, you know what? It's fine. Like, they're pre- it's not good <gasps> to leave wet clothes in there, but I'll mm. just start it back over today. It'll be kind of a waste of water. I, you know, I'm a bad Californian at this moment, but I'll take care of it. So I was watching opening night and I'm like, oh, right, my laundry. And okay. so I paused the film and ran out behind the house and my clothes are just sitting in a stew but not even a stew like a cold like murky soup in the washing machine it's just this fetid it didn't go through the spin cycle no it stopped before we got to even the first drain so my clothes are just sitting in a swamp yeah and it doesn't smell very good i bet and so then I had to, um, I had to take all. I, I first I got like um, a terracotta pot and just started scooping out the oh water. My God. Ew. Yeah, it was not good. It got fetid, um, murky, odorous. Thinky. It's kind of rank. It, very, very Tarkovsky. Very Tarkovsky. Especially with like the like the Father John Misty sweatshirt in there. Like it's like an artifact of a certain time. It's just like you know, <laughs> like like the gun in the river during Stalker. And then I had to remove all of my sopping clothes, mm. and then I took them to the laundromat, sopping. and then I came here. So that's my thorn. Wow, the rose that's a big that thorn. I... Did you wash them again? Uh, I mean, you, of course you had to. Yeah, in hot water. Mm. Um, and my rose is that I got to watch opening night again, which is oh. a film that I just love. Hell yeah! Actually, my rose is getting to have a nice brunch with fellow film fact TJ Slipko this Aww. morning. A nice vegan brunch. Oh, where'd you go? We went to Kitchen Mouse in Highland Park. Okay. What is I that? I would like to see it. It's great. Um, not to go too regional. But Where was it the that we went after um, canvassing? We went because I wanted oh, to remember. We went to Verdugo Bar. Not to go too regional and glass no, we didn't. and got yes, didn't we? Cool. No, we got food. Oh, we went to we went to the we went to Highland Park Brewery. Oh, okay. On York. That sounds right. Well, this looks delightful. Kitchen Mouse? Yes. It's great. So, um it's a it's vegan or no, it's it's vegetarian cuz you can get mm. eggs and stuff. But they have these delightful Egg. green coffee mugs. It's self-serve drip. And is you can, it? And bottomless. Is it like in the mood for love? Yes. But no, no, they're, they're not clear. Yeah. Uh, but it's like that type of oh. paint on top. Mm. And mm. years ago, when they first opened, they had a screen door, um, which now that they've, now it's like twice the size. They don't have the screen door anymore. But it's just a charming little spot. We had a little window seat. And mm. we, uh, I want the jackfruit crabby cake <laughs> on the deck. I'm literally looking at the menu. The, dra- the jackfruit crabby food. cakes. Have some of your cookie that I got. Yeah, you. it's really good. Your <laughs> cookie. Are you saving it? I'm saving it wow. for when I start watching Amar Chord so oh. I can fart. You're going to save it for tonight? So I can fart along. Well, then you should put it back in the back yeah, so keep it doesn't it fresh. dry out. Keep that fresh. All right. I'll eat it during the podcast. <laughs> Stop yelling. Oh, right. Podcast. We're Movies IMO. Um, my <laughs> name is Daniel Crook. <laughs> I'm Brandon Kirby. I'm Ben Empey. And this week, we are talking about... Her smell. Her smell. The new Alex Ross Perry vehicle. Or wow. The Alex Ross Perry directed Elizabeth Moss yes. vehicle. And if I were to Their describe her smell as a vehicle, it would be um, 
like a big monster truck just barreling down on top of cars and traffic. I would say it's a the Pinto after someone has hit it and it explodes. <laughs> and then just keeps driving. Uh-huh. On um, fire. With, like, yes. with, with, with a fender that's just like yeah. dragging and clanking along behind. Yes. yes. Um, where it is smacking into car windows on its yeah. way and the, the, the trail of destruction grows mm-hmm. graver and graver. That's right. So we're here to talk about our smell. We are also here to talk about the films Vox Lux. Oh, Vox Fuck. Which is a good movie. It's a good movie. Good movie. I can't wait to talk about what Vox Lux has to say about pop music. <laughs> That's what the film's about, right? Yes. I want to know what it has what to say about pop music. What does it have to say? And and then It must say something. And then from there, we'll go on to discuss John Cassavetti's opening night and tackle the age-old question, what does opening night have to say about pop music? Also that. Can you I, believe Alex Ross Perry wrote Christopher Robin? I know, right? Anyway, sorry. I mean, in that movie, isn't Pooh kind of like strung out? That's why he's so pale and he's just like, mm. ah, Christopher Robin. Yeah. Inward ho. And he's bi- Inward he's ho. he's bitter about Paddington. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're talking about movies that uh, involve, um, you know, messy, damaged uh, female superstars at the center yes. in the world of culture and <clears throat> pop music. Pop music. What? does opening night have to say about pop music what does it have to say <laughs> i think it's saying that it's self-destructive yeah i think it's saying that it's bad i agree what opening... i think it's bad pop music's bad what, That's what, what opening about. night is saying about pop music exactly mm-hmm. it's saying pop music's bad i just like i can't pop music <laughs> pop music me literally general is throwing herself against the wall and collapsing i mean if i were to describe the fundamental the door, question jam. i've retweeted oh. that gif like four times it's this pretty weekend. good uh, anytime i feel stressed i'm gonna retweet it i'll tell you what <laughs> thank you ben it's You're a pretty welcome. bleak outlook on pop music the fundamental question of film criticism today yeah. what does x have to say about pop music yep can you believe that we spent like six months last year, like having a, like not us, but that there's this debate roiling that people were taking very, very seriously. Like, what does a star is born have to say about pop music? What does mm-hmm. Vox Lux have to say about pop music? Like yep. neither of those movies are about pop music. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the people want to know, but opening night is about pop music. So we will be tackling right. the age old question. What does opening night have to say about pop music? Yes, correct. And of course, um, what does her smell have to say about pop music? Yes. Um, all these are about pop music. Yeah. So mm. I thought it was great. Good movie. All right. Next. So this has been another, <laughs> well, well here, no, let's go down the line. So, uh, opening night. I thought it was great. Good movie. Good movie. Okay. Vox Lux. I thought it was great. Good movie. I didn't like it the first time I saw it, but secretly I did. I think the whole time in my subconscious. Like well, that's a fascinating out. take, Brandon, that evolves with every watch. This mm. has been another episode of Movies IMO. Mm. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us uh, in a green room beneath a rock and roll club. Oh, a rock and roll club. A rock, a rock and roll joint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Kara Delavine's armpits. Oh. I'm going to make that my display name. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll get this Now that away. the Marvel MC, the, the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe has done attacking me. I've been attacked. You what does attacked. Endgame have to say about pop music? I don't know. They're very angry. They're so angry. The didn't, didn't, your, didn't your best friend just make a billion dollars? Be happy. I know. Let people speak. I'm not saying that people. They're very angry. I they're, think it's... They're a bunch. If, if you respond to a piece of pop culture and you have a relationship with it and it makes you happy, unless that's like something really, you know, like icky, like good for you. I'm happy that it brings you joy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that like... 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying what people will think I'm saying, but celebrating. That's in, probably what I'm saying. But so, well, you can say it. You can say it. You are, but you are the Becky something of the podcast. Um, the whole idea that, uh, that, that, that we the should top of my chats, like Endgame made $1.2 billion on opening weekend. Yay. What does that have to say about pop music? What does that have to say about pop music? Yeah. Is that we're being like, just like it's gaslighting in real time. Ugh. Bob Iger's going to be on his Stairmaster at 4 a.m. tomorrow. Jerking off. It's just going to be like, I am so good at my job. <laughs> Listening to Katy Perry. What does that have to say about Bob? You know, Roy okay. Disney's daughter is taking him to task. Oh, Abigail mm. is uh, voting for Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. The, she does not think it's right. The best tweet I saw was... The reason Bon Appetit is back on the charts is because of this. And it was a screenshot of apparently, spoiler, at the end of Endgame, uh, Brie Larson gets a lesbian hair chop and she looks like blonde Katy Perry from the Bon Appetit video. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's, that's quite a bit of a I have oh. had Endgame spoiled to the nth degree for me and I can't wait to see it. I, we're not talking about Endgame anymore. I shan't see it. This is the Endgame episode. Mm. I shan't be seeing it either. But again, Let's I'm... all talk about what we think it is. Well, I know because I apparently saw the, the Hulk is hot in it. Well, That's yeah, what I hear. Yeah, watch. You can count on me. Mark Ruffalo's isn't hot Mark and everything. Ruffalo always hot. Or uh, do you mean the Hulk? I don't know. I'm a little. Confused. Isn't the Hulk always hot? Ben, because you don't, he's, you don't understand. He's a muscle bro. Like, the, the, the VFX Ben, they have changed the Hulk. It's never been done before. There's a dick print now. It is groundbreaking. <laughs> well, the Hulk pants. The Hulk effects. The Hulk mm. has History. never been. The Hulk and Bruce Banner really haven't had much to do, so apparently oh. he like does something. I don't know. I don't it's fucking know. Very erotic. It's I, very. I bet they added a dick print in his purple little yeah, shorts. Great. Good for them. <laughs> you can see his the ridge head, Brandon, the head ridge. Brandon, Brandon, you can get your Twitter account canceled by this slander against the MCU, but if you could not bring a canceling upon the podcast, how many times do you think you people? were reported? <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably gonna get suspended again, and like Brandon's second suspension. <laughs> I like the person who was ordering you an electric chair off Amazon. Uh, I've been served like 25 electric chairs. Uh, Brand, so Brand, Brandon tweeted something. He just like put a picture of uh, uh, Spider-Man shaking hands with Jake Gyllenhaal and then a picture of the, the handshake and calling and by And literally, your name. the context for the tweet, the caption of the tweet was, surely this has been done before, mm-hmm. implying that I assumed someone after two replies would at me with someone who tweeted it like, Four hours previous. Yeah. yeah. But instead, I've been raked through the coals. For your pedophilia. They're calling Tom me, Holland, they're me 22 year old, but it's a child in the film. But then, but then they. That's they, the controversy. Ben's like, they're fictional characters. <laughs> but then I realized it's, it's more than that. The MCU fandom is already pissed off that any relationship that Peter Parker has with an adult male in the MCU is not already sexualized. Oh. Like, everyone wants Tony Stark to fuck. Right. Well, Peter I, Parker. I don't. But apparently, that's a thing. So then, me implying that he's now going to fuck Mysterio. They're very well, sensitive. They're very triggered. <laughs> Well, they've they won. They They won. They won. So you know, let them be mad. They have been a part of the greatest redistribution of wealth scheme in the history of mankind, and they cheered (laughs) cheered it every step of the way. They've been gaslit, and now Robert Downey Jr. can take a helicopter to Santa Barbara for lunch in the middle of shooting the Avengers, which is what he does. (laughs) I hear several days a week. Where do they shoot the Avengers? Um, Like when they're doing soundstage stuff in L.A. 
Oh, okay. And then they he will he helicopters. They will just like because they only work three hours a day. It's like okay, now turn this way against the green screen, right? And then they're they're done for five hours, and then they're like, let's let's go to Santa Barbara for lunch because we have the money. Well, and there's so many there's so many people that. Um, like just basic coverage. Like we're gonna be over mm-hmm. here with Paul Bettany now. We're yeah. gonna be over here with Mark Ruffalo now. The Russo brothers are just such. Visionaries. They're really talented filmmakers. Um, they're. <laughs> I hate to drag Barry Jenkins, but uh, he did tweet today like that how how they're masters of spatial geography and how it's oh. great. You know where everyone is at every moment. That's like the worst thing that I hear about the Russo. I, I haven't know, seen these too. movies. I don't think I've seen any that they have directed. Infinity War is a nightmare to look at. That's what I've heard. Infinity War is the ugliest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. It's, a, heard, it's an Altman movie. Remember? I've heard Civil War is really very hard Altman to watch. Ass. Which one? Civil War. Civil War is a mess. So I, never saw, I never saw it. It's that not one. just visually. It's the most boring civics conversation yeah. in the middle of it. And I love the idea of a superhero movie that is concerned with uh, protection of information and just uh, government's role versus a citizen's role in foreign policy and just, just basic safety it's a lot of people's favorite it's so it is a lot fuck, of people it's so fucking i think it's because they think it's about something no it is about so- it is about <laughs> and something they feel smart it is about something it. but it's not it's not actually a very interesting conversation it's um it's not rich it's not dark it's not layered it's an avengers movie without being an avengers right. movie it's which i find america movie but they're all in <laughs> it but it's a ve- anyway anyway her smell anyway her smell is about becky something a uh, bikini kill slater kenny Courtney rebecca Love. parvo check or something else that's polish. yeah, yeah I don't She's actual polish name. last name but she she is a riot girl rocker <clears throat> in the band yeah. something she and her smell is five chapters in the life of uh, this woman who was under the influence. Um, plus interstitials. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it's it's <laughs> the home recording. It's five acts and an epilogue in a divided Berlin. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> I, do, I mean, I don't want to. I have. I, it hasn't been my turn in a while, and I forgot that I hate doing a, a synopsis. But that's basically it. She, that's it. That's all she, you need. She's, she's struggling with uh, herself. She's there's stuff. She's a. She's on something. We never. We never really see her use apart from drinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Because it, doesn't, because it doesn't really matter. Definitely beyond drinking. It's, I don't know. I think she's had a couple tequilas, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> something, it must have been something she drank. Honestly, oh. her in the first scene is just me at Akbar. Oh. <laughs> After a few gin and sodas. I mean, I fell down shaman. to the ground one time at Akbar recently. I, so. I, fell, I fell down to the ground two New Year's ago Were you ago holding a baby? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I split my pants at Akbar two oh. years ago. We've all been our Becky something at the Akbar. That's true. Well, I was very like Jenna Rollins in opening night because I had people like, holding, holding me up. No, yeah, two two New Year's ago, I, I was trying to dance and just constantly falling on my ass. I split my jeans. And then... Um, like across the taint? Not across the taint. Um, on the kneecap, um, oh. but but then that's just that's just stylish. No, but yeah. th- but then but then it grew. You know how they oh, do? Yeah. They grow and grow. The crater gets rip bigger. it off, turn into shorts. Well, I, that's very me. Like four years ago, <laughs> but I uh, I like basically got not thrown <laughs> out, but I like tumbled onto the curb at two in the morning at Sunset Boulevard, and immediately was like, someone stole my jean jacket, and then I just left it inside, like Were a hand just it? like with a jean <laughs> wearing it, yeah. I was in my dream the other night. Oh yeah, I lost literally all of my clothes, and Linda handed you a hanger. What I was wearing, 
Like I was nude at it the sounds, bar. Sounds erotic. Mm. I, I was just like embarrassed. Like, a young man's erotic journey from Boulder all of a minutes. sudden. I was like in line waiting for the bathroom and realized I only had a t-shirt on. <laughs> I was like, does anyone know where my pants are? <laughs> my underwear. <laughs> Are you like covering yourself? Like, <laughs> are you pulling your shirt down like, uh-huh. to reach your knees? And I was just like, it wasn't even. It was daytime. It was like a. It was like brunch. <laughs> I don't. I was Somebody with like a little too much eggs Benedict. You know what I'm I was with my like high school group of friends. <laughs> Very strange dream. Would like to know where that comes from. I had a podcast dream last night, which was that I was just talking and not into the mic, and then I was like, what a relief. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a dream. I don't think I've ever dreamed about the podcast. It was the first time. Wow. Anyway, so uh, that's her smell, and let's start with Brandon. Ah, uh, what? Let's start. With let's talk. Ben. Let's start with Elizabeth Moss. Wait, I did want to. I did have a. Um, I wanted to start somewhere. It's gone. Let's start with Elizabeth let's Moss. Let's start gone. with Elizabeth Moss, who is wow. so good in this movie, <clears throat> who makes a lot of things that I don't like about Alex Ross Perry work really well in this movie. So what are those things? All right. Yeah. I've only seen one, I don't two s- now. I don't know if we should start with the things I don't like about Alex Ross Perry, but... It's, it's never exciting to do that. Mm, but it's that he really leans into, like, a literary flowery quality in the dialogue, and this is the first time I think that that works for the character that is doing it, even though I think some of them are a little self-conscious still. Well, I think it's extremely self-conscious, but mm-hmm. she doesn't speak that way once she's sobered exactly, up. Exactly, and that's why it does work. Um, and then I think he gets a little, and he doesn't really in this, but in his other movies, there's a little bit of like style for style's sake. Like the only time it bothered me in this movie is at the very end when it pans up to the title. Oh, uh, like it ends the way it begins. I like that whole, I hate that, that shit. I, I, li- hate I liked it. I, love I hate it at the beginning. I hate it at the ending. Mm. But do you mm. like it in School of Rock? I don't remember that. That's the first shot of School of Rock. Oh. Linklater does the same thing. That, it really rustled my jimmies. Great. I think it's moving. It's like the it's like it's like the closing of the book at the end of the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Sure. It's like going back to the it's like it's like it's it. In, I just it feel then it like it ruins like this hermetically sealed world for me. But I think that it. I think that after act like I think that the first three acts are all hermetically sealed. And like I said, the only outdoor scene there is there's not even. But really I mean, it, it just like the world of the movie. It reminds me that we're in a movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, is it's that we, we sort of like go to the sky at the end of a story, like mm-hmm. to say that's the end of the story. Like, like like we actually do zero out for a second away from her, as if to become like it's self conscious that it's the end. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really bother me, but. I, I think it also implies, a, not to say that this would happen for the character, but like you said, we're, we're ending where we started, mm-hmm. implying like it could just cycle all over again. You know, mm. she could well, go back to where we started, I, I would where say, we saw her at the Because beginning. we start at the sign and then go down into <clears throat> hell. And then at the end, we go up mm. to the sign as if to... <clears throat> heaven yeah so it's implying it, i think it's less out I, of it now. i think it's less cyclical than like that's where like that's where the story begins and ends but when it begins it's a descent and then at the end mm. it's a uh, it's an ascent that's interesting yeah and i think that's probably the most interesting thing about the movie is that sign yeah yeah <laughs> that's it so that's um, her smell the sound well no okay, let's so, keep talking about elizabeth well Moss. no because little little known fact but lucrecia martel did the sound design for her wow. smell hell yeah all that clanging and ominous whooshing because at first I was an, not annoyed, but I was just trying to settle in with it because mm-hmm. it's very cacophonous. 
right. when they're in it's like a lot of bang you sometimes you can't even hear fully what characters are saying mm-hmm. but that's all actually part Brandon, of it i think that you know lots of love to the Limley in pasadena i do think that they had uh the levels a little too low because when i saw it at afi last year in the tcl multiplex i could hear pretty much everything everyone was saying but i imagine you saw it in the exact same theater that i because brandon and i ran it it was too low Jedi's. wasn't it the sound was too low i had that thought i didn't have a problem with the monster. it's supposed to all the, that cacophony is supposed to be really loud and th- i think that they had mixed it to dialogue level and so the dialogue, which is, of course, supposed to be submerged and sort of murky and hard to hear. But you, no, you couldn't really hear anything in our theater. But when I saw it at AFI, I could hear everything. Fine. Okay. So it was an error. Because I actually thought. It was an error. I thought that. And I was like, this movie's too quiet right now. Okay. But I was like. But it then, works for the experience. It works. But okay. So it was, it was too low. It was too low. God damn it. They Royal. Didn't mask the theater at the Lemley. And I was annoyed. They mask it? Oh, really? I was really the annoyed. Lemleys. What's mm. going on? They convinced us two hundred dollars so for I, our negative experience. I, I I hate to gripe, and I I I won't I won't be specific about what, who I'm griping about. But when I went to see Minnie and Moskowitz the other day on thirty five millimeter, mm-hmm. it was um, uh, the uh, the image was bleeding over onto the top and bottom sides of uh, the screen. That's and annoying. It was Rip. not properly masked, or the projection was off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like it's annoying to see like, when we saw Botrevi the projection was off to see, oh. like, it was too high when you see like mm-hmm. a sleeve like down by the stage mm. not it's not that dramatic but bleeding over it's a bummer yeah. yeah this is the complaining podcast now <laughs> anyway that's honestly all I've done for the past having to listen to this show for the past four weeks I'm just bitching and whining about people who aren't here did you find your two dollar try no, I didn't. <laughs> um, Looking for it. Oh, no, but that I stand by. It's more just like building all these straw men. So putting aside the fact that the Royals' levels were too low, but I do like... Well, we saw it at the Playhouse. The Playhouse. We saw it at the Playhouse. Oh, right. Sorry. The Not Playhouse the can Bemo was $5,000. Um, oh, yes. Really my, my time is worth that much money. <laughs> um, no, I just think it's great. I just love... And then when we get the silence, it's such... I mean, like that... that the first the, shot the, of the, Act 4. Yeah. I don't. I don't really. What a relief! Have anything to say formally because I wasn't paying attention. I know, right? I, I mean, wish, I got so lost. Really? Yeah, I was probably paying attention. I was just in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that like I get that sucked in. I will say, speaking of sucking in, there is something that Elizabeth that the, well, Elizabeth Moss is doing it, but that speaks to the gravitational pull of her performance that I think that that I was about to credit her for this technique. Mm-hmm. But anytime she enters frame, the camera just automatically kind of gets sucked towards her uh-huh. like she's mm. a black hole mm-hmm. and that's something formally i love about the movie it's also just these like tight uncomfortable close-ups and it's just roving around but i couldn't tell you like the editing in, in the first couple sections because yeah. for all i know like we're cutting all the time or it's one continuous shot and we're just getting whiplash mm. yeah but it is nauseating and um there is like alex ross perry's doing that thing i like so much in the first <laughs> shot of get out with Jordan Peele, where like, the camera is just pushing you close, like you 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 are following the action even though you want so desperately to just like go out the back door at the theater, but there's just a propulsivity, if that's a word, uh, of the cinematography, how it's just pushing you darker and darker into the mm. the, the soul of the film. The bowels. The, I mean, the truly the bowels. Mm. I think this movie. Is, I think the production design is great in this movie. <laughs> it is. And then it's there's like no natural light until 
this fourth section. Mm -hmm. You get some natural light at the edges of Act Two, just kind of streaming in through the doorway where, like, Allie, the drummer, I think her name's Allie, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, where she exits. By the way, Gail Rankin, who plays Allie and who's great, I AD'd a short film that she was in, and oh. she is lovely. That's always nice Just to hear. saying something nice on the podcast that about someone nice who's not hear. here. Gail Rankin, very nice person. But but apart from that, it's all artificial light and mm-hmm. or just a lot of darkness. I didn't realize that was Amber Heard playing oh, yeah. Zelda. And both times I didn't. I didn't had that's no her. idea. Both that's the only time I have ever seen Amber Heard. In a movie? <laughs> so I would not know what she looked like, but then I saw her name in the credits. Yeah, I think that's the first movie I've seen her in, too. Um, I think it's I think it's really interesting. One formal thing I did notice is that, you know, the f- chapter one and chapter three are very red and we're in mm-hmm. the bowels of a club. Mm-hmm. And then when we go to her house, it's a very gray world. And then in chapter five, we're back in the bowels. And now the gray world has entered the bowels mm-hmm. of the club. We're spending yeah. more time in the hallways, which mm-hmm. have more neutral tones, mm-hmm. and we're, sh- we're sort of scared and shying away from the, the red rooms mm-hmm. um, with all the people talking like this. Mm-hmm. Or just like she, all the she, drugs. and Yeah. Because she is herself, and she's not, you know, masked in mm. that blood red of... She's not just she's not under, losing she's it. Not, she's not under the influence. She's learned to forgive herself, maybe. Do y'all think Elizabeth Moss is funny in this movie? She's hilarious. I do. Okay, I do too. I just think it's, I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but the idea of whether or not the movie is going for dark humor at certain points, mm-hmm. and it is sort of daring you to laugh at her because she's very unwell, mm-hmm. but it's it's to the credit of Elizabeth Moss as a performer that she's able, like, the, the oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is just the timing Hysterical. of it, it comes out of nowhere. Um, I mean, she has the best boot camp training for that of Mad Men, which is very much yeah. like begs you to laugh at people that you really shouldn't right. have and like mm. dares you to. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's very. I she's mean, gone through that. It's all what I love about the performance is that she brings you in. Like when 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 you're laughing at something, you're sort of taking away the, your fear of it. You know, mm-hmm. like it becomes something because like in a horror movie, there's a big scare and then you laugh and then you feel safe again mm-hmm. and then it come the tension builds again and you get scared. And you laugh, and it goes on and on and on. And the Elizabeth Moss performance is a very similar thing, where you st- anytime like you're la- like the oh yeah thing, like mm-hmm. you're you're having a laugh, you feel safe, and then she's like dropping a baby, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. or like walking up to every single one of the other band, the Cara Delevingne band, and just like getting up in their faces and just like studying them. It's very like you're very scared all of a sudden. You're like, mm-hmm. is she gonna break a drumstick over yeah. Cara Delevingne's head? Mm. When they perform the song, and there's that slow push yeah. on Elizabeth Moss just watching them. Cinema. That is cinema. I mean, that's very Jenna Rollins in Opening Night. Mm-hmm. Ju- just the, mm. the fear, the fear of aging, and mm-hmm. yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. realizing I'm not, I'm not enough. this this anymore. She, she's yeah. watching her, but she's watching herself. Yeah, that I don't have the discipline for this anymore. She's watching her smell. I don't have the it factor anymore. Mm-hmm. And then she plasters on a smile, and she's like, "I love it." Yeah, I do. One yep. of my favorite moments in the fifth act is when she's like. No, no, this new album, it's good. We've got it on repeat. I'm just like, oh, I believe it. Mm. I love her. Mm. I love it. Like she, the, the Becky is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Act Four and Act Five. The, it's so. Yeah. If you, what, what, what would y'all think if, if the character ends in self destruction? Act Four is just another further descent into hell, and the, just if, if the whole movie is the first three acts, do you think it? Do you think it would work? 
like it would be a good movie, but by adding this other but because the performance completely changes, yeah. like halfway, two thirds of the way, and through. it's it is a credit to Elizabeth Moss that it doesn't feel like a different character. No, no, and that you can see oh so that was just this person on drugs and this is the real person and you see like the connective tissue there in her mm-hmm. in how scared she is to sit by herself yep versus how she reacts against silence in a room or reacts yeah. a, a, against any sort of uh, like looks like she she creates terror we could psychoanalyze her all we want but one reason just to just to fill that void like to create mm-hmm. a distraction to keep but in a way, by she, she's deflecting from herself by making it all about her yeah. in the first three acts. You know what is, I think, my favorite detail in this whole movie about addiction and recovery is that when she makes her tea, she sets a timer and she doesn't let herself drink the tea until the timer has gone it's off. It's all about the routine. Uh-huh. And she has to, she has made these rules for herself now and she has to follow the rules or the entire house of cards falls down. Which is the tension in Act 5, which mm-hmm. it... it we can have a long conversation about the the form going on there and how Alex Ross Perry heightens the tension along with Elizabeth Moss's performance through the camera work and just like when 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 the camera turn when like when she exits the room where all the drugs are going down and everybody's mm-hmm. hanging out and she's like no I gotta go bye yeah. and then circles the corner and then like peeks into another room and it's the same place yeah. like uh-huh. there's something about the way that the camera reveals that that's very shocking and scary mm-hmm. but then her performance is also telegraphing that fear and and just need and want to keep it under control but that the tension is so it's what you're saying the idea that all the it, a house of cards is fragile right mm-hmm. all it takes is one mistake and while you you think that becky is going to keep it together in act five she's also like just like you think that myrtle is going to keep it together in opening night yeah and then she doesn't like it, it's it's just we're just teetering on between um you know i had the same and, feeling that i had in the motion picture birth I'm going to spoil mm. birth right mm. now. So if you haven't seen birth, fast Skip forward 30 seconds. 30 seconds in birth. Um, when the boy is revealed to not be the dead husband reincarnated. I got so angry, like that that was the choice, the narrative choice of the movie. And then I realized I was just, I just felt betrayed by the characters and like that. it That just means it w- was a good choice. And I had that feeling with like, when they think, oh, maybe she's gone to do drugs in this mm. last yes. act. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, oh, like I don't want this to be this movie. No, and no. then the reveal like, is so great. And then I was just it's just like, oh, like I, that's because this movie is a good movie that well, I feel that way. There's the yeah. moment where everybody everybody says because they want to believe. They mm-hmm. know that they're wrong, but they can't find Elizabeth Moss. And they're like, maybe she's just waiting by yeah. the stage. And like, okay, well let's go look. And then that reveal is great. Like yeah. we're, we're we're following everybody walking, and you just see on their faces like the relief, and you're like, oh. She, and then we and there's there's and a waiting. long period of you don't know if she is high or not, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really until she talks to Virginia Madsen yeah. that you really are like, okay, no, she's at the sober. end. Yeah, it's yeah. like the, it's like right be like she's having conversations with all of them, and you're a little bit like, okay, but is she high? I'm yeah. not mm-hmm. really sure. Yeah. Right. And then when she talks to Virginia Madsen and she apologizes and they have a moment, it's very powerful. And you're like, oh, she's really working on it. It's just very moving. It is. And it's a girl power movie. She needs all, of, she finds she her needs support. She the seance. Mm-hmm. The and, seance of yeah. women. And then brings everybody out on stage. Oh, Even Zelda, who it. she doesn't like Yeah, she doesn't much. like Zelda, but Zelda was there for her. That moment in Act 1, it's just one of those moments you want to shake a character and be like, get it together, when she refuses to open for Zelda mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Eric Stoltz comes in with champagne. Well, do we have a deal? <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> Howard. Howard. He is really Howard. Howard. Oh, yeah. I just think it's very moving in the fifth, the final act when she, like, she's always worn a mask, right? And mm-hmm. she's finally out in the world. Because in the fourth act, you see her alone, isolated right. as herself. But this is the first time she's out in the world mm-hmm. without the mask, without the protective layer as yeah. herself. And it's so... And the oh, costume design moving. is really smart, too. Like, the dress with the very thin straps that keep sort of, like, just, like, keep pushing back up. Yeah. Like, she's very exposed. And it recalls the outfit in chapter one. Yes. Which is a, a similar cut. Right. But it's less elegant. Mm-hmm. But it's the same, like, off-the-shoulder situation. I just want to say as well that the actress who plays Mari Agnes Dane, who I didn't know her before this, I think is she's Sunset Song. I saw that, but I haven't seen Sunset. The Song. whole time watching this movie, I was like, I know who she. Like I've seen her in something before. She is so fucking good. She's really good. Like she really plays the, you know, uh, especially in the second act. Like she plays uh, rejection. Oh, betrayal. I have a question. Yeah. Yes. When in chapter four, when they're catching up, and Mari says like. Someone took advantage of us, and now they're in jail. And I thought she was Her talking shaman. about Howard. Is the oh, shaman. Okay. the shaman. And yeah. I was like, who? She's like, you should really stop quoting him. Yeah. So he, he was a hack the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. LOL. Of course. They Lol. all are. The, the, but that, that reminds me of just the sound design with, with some of the shamana, yeah. shamanic stuff in the beginning. And it makes me think about this moment, I think, in Act 2. doesn't matter. In Act 2 or 3, like when it gets really hellish. Or at the end of Act 1. Whatever. Where we... Uh, like a cut to Elizabeth Moss, <laughs> who's just like watching, mm-hmm. like watching. And all of a sudden, like her eyes like kind of get big, and she's about to like pounce, and then there's just this like, Dunk! like, and the sound design comes in. It's like it's a question of whether that sound design is sort of a if it's subjective or if it's just more this environment she creates around her. But I also love how the introduction of it is diegetic. Like, it's the roar of a crowd yeah. upstairs. Mm-hmm. And how that sort of morphs into this netherworld, like, hellscape soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. I I'm, I forgot about the sound like the sound in this movie. It's incredible. I, saw it. I will be seeing it again in the theater. Yeah. yeah. I, ne- I clearly sure. need to, because yeah. I was... My, yeah, I've for been... the sound. Pasadena. I, um... Get it together, Pasadena. I was going to say something else, and I don't remember. Rip. I don't know what we were what we were gonna go next. Good movie, I am. I, it is I, a good movie. I will say that um, there is a detail that I love in this movie mm-hmm. because the thing about like Becky something is she's meant to recall so many different figures and music. Like she's Courtney Love. She's like the band's inception is very Slater Kinney, and then in the first act when she wears that Phantom of the Opera T-shirt, that is an iconic uh, Kim Deal look from the mm. Breeders. Um, there's this, it's a it's a classic photo of the breeders and Kim Deal is wearing this extra large Phantom T-shirt, and so that's kind of the moment I realized I loved mm. the movie. Not and it's, it's like it's like, you know, I hate when fan service is a reason why you love something, but mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this movie knows exactly what it's doing. Yeah, like it's just playing with iconography in a certain way, and it mm-hmm. it, it 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 fits into a lineage of a type of music that we've never actually seen. Not that the breeders are Riot Girl or anything, but it's a it's a mostly uh, female led outfit. Um, there's just a verisimilitude mm-hmm. and also just like nods at music history uh, that I appreciate in the film. Yeah. And then all the, like the fake album covers at the end, there's, uh, there's one good. that it's not something she, it's the, the Cara Delevingne band, but it mm. is just a basic rip of a very famous Slater Kenny album cover. Like they just like the album. Oh wait, which one? All hands on the bad one. Oh, okay. and, it, and it was like, 
last stop on the truck land. Like, or just like some, some something weird, just like gibberish, but uh-huh. it's the exact same. A play on it. Yeah. And nice. then like the, the photo is a black and white thing of like a party, like that looks very violent, but mm. very like 1950s. I know the one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Good. Movie. Yeah. Her smell is great. And, um, I have a question about Elizabeth Moss to talk about awards. Um, Technically, she would have been eligible for the Independent Spirit Award last year right. because really? fest- because festival runs right, that's are, right. make you eligible for the Indie Spirits. So my question, and maybe someone who's listening can clue us in, is she ineligible for the Indie Spirits now because it had its festival run last year? That even, is a good question. Even though it's not coming out until this year? I mean, I'm afraid that I don't think... I don't want to even put this in the universe, but it probably won't be in the awards conversation at all. No, of course. I mean, the movie's made $5. Yeah. Who did? Oh, Gunpowder and Sky. Yeah, what even is Gunpowder and Sky? <laughs> well, it's not even. It's not they're even new. Like a they're knock a new... on Gunpowder and Sky. I just they're, don't they're know who they new. are. They're new. Yeah, they're new. They should really push her, and the critics could really push her. The critics could help out, and she could win. But the critics, critics award. But the critics are not even wild about this movie. Are they not? Some people are. It got a sixty-nine on Metacritic. Yeah, lower than Avengers 69. Endgame. And it's a. Did you hear it's a um, Richard Linklater movie? Avengers. Avengers. It's a Linklater film. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, the only movies that the Avengers in game should be compared to is a corporate presentation at a board retreat, if you ask me. They're two and a half to th- now three hour toy commercials. Yeah. How great. What yeah. are? Endgame. Oh, but, they're, yeah. but, but then they're character driven. We oh, should appreciate them. You're right. We should appreciate them. You're right. I've heard the, 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 the quiet moments in Endgame are just, you know, the, every. Very Jean Dielman esque. Just very. You watch, you watch Tony Stark take a metal sphere and walk it over to a, a, a place where he puts the sphere mm. wow. and then he peels the sphere. Wow. Single shot? Single shot. Wow. wow. That's, that's patient. Uh, Real themes of uh, time and, mm. and space and dislocation. And wow. That's Thor sits down, polishes his hammer for 35 minutes, people. Wow. And then he drops the hammer. He drops it and it's jarring. Damn. Wow. That's wild. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, that's it for me. This so, movie. Um, Endgame? No. Her smoke? What does Endgame have to say about pop music? That's a good question. A lot. Her smoke? Just reminded me of some dark times in my life. I was hoping you'd go there. Um, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I've done some really horrible things that I didn't know about until weeks later when I would run into the aggrieved party on the street and they would let me know what happened. Um, Oops. And there's, I don't, I don't, there's just a quality to Bradley Cooper peeing his pants at the Grammys that what does that say about pop music? <laughs> that uh, does not have the same quality. Obviously, it's a different movie than Her Smell, like formally. And They're both about pop music. They are both about pop music. But it doesn't have the same like visceral shame quality that I get. I mean, obvi- if you feel, if you have addiction issues and you saw yourself in Bradley Cooper and it made you feel less alone. I don't want to take that away from you, but I didn't get that from him, but I do get it from Elizabeth Moss. And I just think like, I just brought into stark contrast, like what I didn't like about the addiction stuff in the stars born, even if I can't put my finger on how to describe it, but I was just like, this is the movie that I wanted from that storyline. There's something Mm -hmm. that you get 
in the performance where she is just this train that's off the rails mm-hmm. where she probably was a lot of fun to party with at one yeah. point, you know? Mm-hmm. And the addiction just became more serious and she just, be- because of the validation she was getting around her, like she just kept going harder and harder and harder mm-hmm. and believed in herself more and more and more um, in sort of a unhealthy, toxic, delusional sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just like that when the movie starts, it's already pretty fucking bad. Yeah. And that with these interstitials, uh, the, this, these home movies of the band at the beginning, mm-hmm. you see that she was always a wild card. Like, she breaks their platinum record. Yeah. But that's like, it's like punk fucking rock, yeah. man. Like, it's really cool. She's performing. Yeah, that's the other thing. Um, well, yeah. And just the idea of performance, like performance... Uh, and having an audience, really, mm-hmm. because in, in that act four, she's all alone for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. And that fear when you get sober of uh, that you can just, it's not even that you can't like go out to a party again. It's that I can't leave my house ever again. And that is really palpable in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it just speaks to how talented Elizabeth Moss is, best actor of her generation, probably, that, uh, I mean, you just feel everything that she's feeling and you see everything that she's feeling. I just want to hug her. I just want to hug her. Do you think it's the Scientology that did it for her? Yeah, I think that really, really made her who she is today. What does Scientology have to say about pop music? Uh, (laughs) It is just a bummer that she's a Scientologist because she is so talented and amazing and wonderful. The shaman is Scientology. Yes. And, and, and just like with The Handmaid's Tale, she's like, actually, Scientology is a check on that mm. type of uh, dangerous mysticism. Yeah. I also like fully like if I had become a successful filmmaker in my her smell period of my life, I would have fully been like talking about covens and like had a shaman and like <laughs> like I still am all about that shit yeah. but I was just like as this... you light your romance candle <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly like what I would buy into when I if and when I had the money mm. so there's also can't wait for that there's also wow. a level of uh, witchcraft and uh, the mysticism mm-hmm. to uh, opening night mm-hmm. by John Cassavetes yeah are we pivoting? We can pivot, um, but I just I just want Ben to weigh in once and for all. Mm. Does Elizabeth Moss give you Jenna Rollins energy? She does. Okay. She does. Thank God. Because that has been, for, for some of us who saw this in the fall, or some people saw it earlier at Toronto, it has been keep Ben away from her smell. <laughs> that has been the mission. Because of all of this Jenna Rollins talk going mm. around the performance, which is warranted, right? Or it's I think it is. All... Note that all three of the pop star movies from last fall festival circuit, the lead female Got performance compared were Rollins. compared to Jenna Rollins. Mm-hmm. One of them is accurate. Yes. <laughs> I One. think I think that Moss has a little bit of a Betty Davis thing going on too. But it oh. might it might just be like there's something about like Betty Davis's characters are so sure of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um and so wide-eyed while they do it. Like, maybe it's a superficial... Um, yeah, because they're also full of shit most of the that's, time. That's it. Yeah, yeah exactly. But there, there's a there's a swagger to those characters mm-hmm. where they're acting repulsively, but you can't take your eyes off of them. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Mm. Elizabeth Moss. Are we talking about Powerful. opening night now? Yeah, we can talk about opening night. Opening night is also a movie about becoming yourself. I thought you were going to say pop music. Oh, well. That's your bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have that one. You have your bit. Yeah, it and is. It's, it's a movie about 
aging. I read a paper in my general education you know who else? course on uh, gender and sexuality in American history. And I wrote my term paper on Sunset Boulevard and all about Eve. And it was aging women in Hollywood or the entertainment industry. And if only I had seen opening night. You know who did Hell write a paper yeah. on opening mm. night in college? Who? Fellow film fact, TJ Slipko. Oh! Hell yeah. Piece of information I gleaned from brunch today. Wow. I love that. I like when she kills her younger self. Uh, <laughs> it's good. Powerful. It is. It's powerful. What I like most about this movie on second watch is how life on the stage and life off the stage are mirroring one another, mm-hmm. both in production design like for, from the very beginning, like yeah. she walks, she makes her entrance on stage and it's like, oh, it's raining in Los Angeles. And then mm-hmm. they leave the theater, they go outside, it's pouring rain outside. Mm-hmm. In the play, like there's the bar that they're always reaching for. She goes home, she's immediately like fixing a drink. Like mm-hmm. the hallways. Okay, we have 64 hours again. Okay, so we just ran out of tape. We <laughs> so <just laughs> run it back. The like the lost hours of Metropolis that were lost to history. Our 20 minutes on opening night. Yeah, are gone. <laughs> we fucked up. We. Had, I wonder like, where this, like exactly what the end point I was is. Enunciating <laughs> so clearly into the mic, mm. I was making measured, reasoned responses. I was finally, I finally have my act together. It's great. Now it's gone. So yeah, so we ran out of space. This is a new recording. And uh, that, <laughs> this is chapter two was, of her small. Yes, this is chapter two of her small. We um We had, had a lot of interesting, thoughtful, provocative layered, things to say about opening night that I, are lost to history. I described the way that John Casavetti's directs <laughs> so articulately. That, you're gonna have to do it again. Uh, Good because I didn't do it well last time. Oh my time. god, you did a great job. Oh, thank you. So now we're talking do it again. About, so now we're talking about opening night. At least you know where to put the commercial break. It's true. <laughs> John Cassavetti's opening night. It's a film that was made by Mr. John Cassavetti in the and same it stars year as Star Wars. Wow. So it's like her smell coming out the same year as Endgame. I'm just yeah, kidding. it is. <laughs> yeah, very it's exactly similar. the same. <laughs> my God. Um, I, it's swearing. just like, what were we talking I'm about? Not glaring. No, I'm just like, fuck. Um, I know. Then like, say your thing about John Cassavetti's directing. And well, acting. he um, he has his <laughs> belief of just you know whatever you are feeling that day, you should rewrite the script to become be able to become that character. That it's not necessarily a problem. You just have to. If you cannot massage yourself into what is already written, you just throw out the writing and you do what works for you today and the mood that you're in and that the writing doesn't matter, the direction doesn't matter, and that all that really matters is the interactions between people. 
and that's what a lot of this movie is about. And before I said this, Daniel said a lot to that point as well. Do you want to talk about? <laughs> I guess I will. Yes, I guess. Do you want yes, to do, do, do no, go there? When you were saying, that, I'm like, oh, and I, oh yeah, no, I said something before. I'm like, how do we contextualize what Benjer said? Oh right, I said something, and then mm-hmm. I said it again. Well, so opening opening again. night is about uh, a stage production starring Jenna Rollins and John Cassavetes, written by Joan Blondell, directed by Ben Gazzara, and it's sort of a domestic mm-hmm. drama. It's about a woman who's struggling with aging and about her identity now as she reaches late middle age. Um, and basically the tension of the movie is that after witnessing the death of a fan, Jenna Rollins' character Myrtle Gordon can't stick to the script anymore. She goes up on stage during rehearsals and then during performances and just refuses to refuses to say her lines, says whatever she wants, sort of takes control of the scene and moves it in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Maybe most memorably when the phone rings on stage where she's just to pick it up and probably be like, oh yeah, no, you can come home. No, I didn't say that to him. Like some sort of like dramatic mm-hmm. discussion. She's like, I can't really talk right now, sorry. And then hangs up the phone, <laughs> lights a cigarette, pours a drink and just like walks around, walks mm. around the stage. <laughs> uh, and there's this great moment. The phone keeps ringing. And then she picks up, she's like, sorry, wrong number, and then close it. And then she outsmarts, she outsmarts the uh, the stage managers and just picks takes the phone off off the hook uh-huh. and then lays it down next to it. So the phone it would be impossible for the, for the phone, phone to, to ring, ring again. She but wins. She wins. She wins. What I was saying, my favorite thing about the film is how this production and then life off stage are blending into one another. Uh, they're they're not just mirrors of each other; they're continuations of one another. So, in the very beginning of the film, during the play, our, I think our, our introduction to Jenna Rollins' character is she makes her entrance into the scene, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, Scott, it was just pouring rain. It was raining cats and dogs out there. It was just pouring rain." And then after the after the show's over, it's raining outside, mm-hmm. and all the time she's like on the stage, like at this bar, like fixing a drink. It's it's the same scotch like in every scene. Then she's off stage and she's going to a bar that looks a lot like that in her hotel room. There's all these hallways that we see like backstage, like it's part of the set and then just navigating this, you know, process she's going through. And I was saying that in the hands of a lesser creative, the thought would be that this mirroring or just these, that the, 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 the life and the stage are appendages of each other that mm. be saying like, life is art, art is life, like life, you know, life's a big stage like that. But what is actually happening, which I really love is that because she has no control in her life off stage, mm-hmm. where she is struggling with aging because the char- the character that she's playing is a character struggling with aging. And she doesn't like that. She's being portrayed in this way. Cause she doesn't view, she views herself as this, you know, much younger woman or just, just someone who's not in this stage, like this sad stage for life that by going off script, what she's doing is taking control like she basically because she can't control her own life off stage when she's on stage when she's ad-libbing and refusing to stick to the script it's where she can actually exercise some control mm-hmm. um, over her image and her identity and who she wants to be and and, and 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 how she can shape the world around her to her uh to her desires which she yeah. cannot do mm-hmm. off stage i believe i said that about uh in half those words the first time no you did it, it was but... a very good recap not a recap it was a good you did a good job. And I'll, <laughs> I'll thank you, Brennan, but ultimately I think what it has to say about pop music mm. is that everything is just a copy of a copy of a copy. True. And I don't know. I don't. To it, quote that movie where Kate Blanchett played eight, 14 characters, oh, mm. nothing is original. Nothing is original. 
Thank you. Manifesto, that's the movie title. Um, but yeah, I love Joan Blondell in the film. I love Jenna. Jenna. Jenna's great. Oh, yeah, we talked about the annoyed when, playwright. I love when John Cassavetes slaps her during the show and she just doesn't get up. She refuses it's so to get up. Good. It's great. so good. And she's just being so dramatic. Mm. I hope that so we didn't, because there's, you know, there's the Lost Metropolis mm-hmm. uh, Movies IMO episode here. I hope that you saying that Jenna and Elizabeth Moss is an apt comparison made it in. Well, it's in now. You it's just in said now. it. No, I, so I'm just making sure and hopefully yeah. it's just a, rem- just, a, just a recap. A little recap. Do you know who recap. really reminds you of Jenna Rollins? Jenna Rollins? Cold War. Lady Gaga. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just quoting that. Remember back in the yes. day? It has that, the that Joe, Joe Schmo yeah. dot blog yes. review came out and everyone Do- was like, Gah! I do remember. Some I recall. Dumbass popped that off in his basement. Bradley Cooper directs with the stillness and psychological cool of Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Lady Gaga exudes a Jenna Rollins esque quality of oblivious uh, uh, presentness. And mm. uh, Sam Elliott reminds me mm. of Sam Elliott. Mm. Powerful. Ultimately, what I didn't like about what that review was lacking in was. Um, conversation about what the film had to say about pop music true um so opening night pop music i'm very tired i like have, i can't like think of anything to say. well there's some we um, were the worst part is that we were on such a roll i know we're such a rollins it was just but before before the before we ran out of space no, on the techni- technical difficulty Our technical difficulty john dylan came over and stabbed her scissors oh, right into the like, corridor i did ben and i had a conversation the other day about who he would be or who he would do for snatch game mm. and i decided that i would do General Rollins for Smash oh, Game. That's great. Who would you do? Connie from The Godfather. <laughs> Except you can't do fictional characters. So it would be Talia Shire, Shire, but as Connie from The Godfather. Like when uh, Ben De La Creme did uh, Downton Abbey, Maggie yeah. Smith, but he could only, um, Maggie Smith could yes. only say he's Maggie Smith. Mm. Got it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, it's really crazy how losing 20 minutes of the podcast really zaps this thing. Well, so perhaps so opening night is great. It's a good movie. Brandon good loved movie. it. I loved it. It might like, um, well, I, I told Ben this. I haven't re I, I would need to rewatch under the um, woman under the influence before making this declaration. A but, woman under the influence beneath the silver lake. But, uh, opening night. A lot of people love it. I've only I mean, seen. I love it too. But. I've only seen three Cassavetes, so I would need to see many. It's many no more. Gloria. I'll say that much. Uh, wow, Gloria! Can you believe both of these movies end with "Give your grandma a kiss"? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love when Peter Bogdanovich. Peter Bogdanovich at the end. <laughs> Lol. There. I mean, it is the the last thirty minutes of this movie are so tense when mm. Myrtle finally shows up and she's fucked up. Uh. It's More the, black coffee. Just pump it in her. There's nothing. Like, it is so scary. Like, watching Jenna Rollins stumbling all over the place, like, trying to get on and then go on stage to do this performance. And then when she makes her exit out into the hallway, like, when she's behind a plywood wall and the audience can see her, she just collapses. Uh, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. I mean, her smell and opening night have elements of the horror film only in that it's just uh-huh. these terrible things happening that you can't stop. And, and the mystical. Yes, and absolutely the mystical. The mystical. The seances. Mm. A lot of seances. I think that's what I really like about opening night is mm-hmm. the um, sort of the younger, killing your younger yeah. self, that mystical, mystical aspect of it. It reminded mm. me of Clouds of Sils Maria oh, in sure. that way. Because that sort of has a mystical element about aging mm. and whatever. The um, 
the the film scholar. Uh, I think his name is Jay Carney. I have his book. Yeah, Ray Carney. Um, I think Jay Carney was the press secretary under Barack Obama. Is that true? I think so. That's funny. Um, Ray Carney uh, has this whole thing about how John Cassavetes made a style of movie that had literally never happened before, which is that all other movies up till John Cassavetes, everything, images are metaphors, and you watch a Hitchcock, you watch a Billy Wilder, everything stands for something else. And the thing about John Cassavetes is that everything, there's only the literal, and that because we are trained to look for the metaphor, we're trained to look for the clues, like under the silver Ooh, lake. Ooh. Um, that it's like the first time you watch a John Cassavetes movie, you like don't know how to process it, and that's why it's it surreal. It feels surreal. His films are so thought of as inaccessible, and it takes you a while to like really figure out what they're about. Um, but I think Opening Night is his most metaphorical movie because of this mystical element, and he she does have to kill herself, and you don't know is this real? Is it a metaphor or is it real? And it's a very interesting layered complicated rich etc yeah mm-hmm. all that and it's a pretty intriguing premise on pop music and speaking of that our final homework film of the week is fox lux yes. yes raffi cassidy's accent going in and out <laughs> every other scene so does natalie's <laughs> i think raffi cassidy's is at least so a good little, in this movie they're both so good they i don't are. even care i, I don't mean care i can't the accents are crazy i can't stop watching either of them for good or bad. Yeah. I mean, and it speaks, I mean, Elizabeth Moss is good all the time on her mm-hmm. smell, but they're, it's just, they're both captivating performances. Yeah. Your eyes are glued to them on the screen. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of movies I watch that are good and I don't want to be watching what's on the screen. Like yeah. I'm bored or mm-hmm. something. I'm never bored in Vox Lux. Same. Same. I want to see uh, a tour Braddy Corbet's uh, Braddy. 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 <laughs> Hey, Braddy! Braddy Corby! <laughs> Braddy, hop in the Chevy! Uh, his first movie, Child of a Child Yeah, I never saw that. Which I hear is like sort of a similar... So like, you know how Vox Lux had that subtitle for a while, 21st Century Portrait? Uh-huh. So apparently A Childhood of a Leader is a similar like watching growth of a person become, you know, however toxic. A leader? Uh, yeah, like... A, a whether, villain, whether uh, a sort of yeah, a mode of a villain or whatever. I don't know. Very curious. I would like, I would to, like see to see it. Anyway, but that's not where we're talking about Fox Lux with Jude Law's butt. Is his butt in the film? Don't you see? I mean, protruding, protruding out of oh. those. Yes, it is prominent I, in the pants. It's like the sweater comes down to a straight line, and there's just a rumpus beneath I, it. I um, I watched this movie at the end of a pretty long, not a long night, but I uh, was catching up with a friend and had had like you know, half a bottle of wine by the time I started it. And it was a great way to watch it. No. And I was totally, you know, I was fixated, but Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I can try, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to like waste everyone's time by trying to say everything I feel about it. But I will say that I appreciate how many risks Brad, Braddy, Braddy, (laughs) Braddy is taking. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it was a cam Collins tweet or someone had a tweet just about how we resent films for being like arty or we resent films Mm. for taking risks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was Cam Collins, but basically the idea that like, don't we go to art to see something that we've never seen before or to mm-hmm. see people taking, taking risks. Like we, we, re- we really resent the idea of somebody getting lost in the artistic process. And when mm-hmm. I watched this movie, which is so 
messy and balls to the wall stylistically. He's doing Kieslowski. He's doing these, you know, fat. He's doing like Clockwork Orange. Mm -hmm. He's he's doing these like and then like these stretches of the film that are like twenty minutes and take place in a diner and it becomes like a dial like a weird nightmare surreal back and forth. I think all this is very exciting being matched up against one another, and I do think that it works. Like, I don't think it's fully cohesive. I don't think it's supposed to be. I think it's a spiky movie. And I'm glad that he made it. Like, yeah. I'm glad that I saw it because I'd already yeah. I'd already written this movie off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I I thought I thought he took a lot of risks, and I thought Natalie Portman, in which Ben has said before, like, in the span of like five seconds, makes a fascinating choice, a terrible choice, and a mystifying choice. Mm-hmm. And there's something very dark, rich, layered, complicated, and yeah. compelling about that. And the I- diner scene is the most like like whiplash of her performance. Yeah. Like, Cause she's good, good to terrible, to not good to everything in between to, I have no idea what she's doing to, yeah. I love her so much yeah. in, in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's all of it. I just, there's something, I don't know what this movie has to say about pop music, but I do think that it's a, if you think about like Celeste's roots where she, she becomes a star after a school shooting. Mm-hmm. She is a survivor of a school shooting as a kid. And the song she and her sister write essentially goes viral in mm-hmm. 2000. Um, and she gets a record deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's something about her star being catapulted by, like, a form of American ugliness and the mm-hmm. fact that, like, you, you, you get kind of get the idea that her her symbol of resilience became cheapened yeah. and became warped and converted into something about getting your mind off of what had happened. Whereas yeah. she comes, the whole reason she's shot to fame is because of her very specific context and talent within it. Yeah. I, and there's something, there's something that he's saying about America in that. And, mm-hmm. and, and just, it's not even really about pop music as much as it is just about like reception America. of pop, like the popular, right. which is America. Um, and it's it's an ugly, damning thing. And by the end, Celeste becomes a product of it. Her, like she is a product of it, and she, by the end of it, she be, embodies all the bad of it. But at the same time, we're asked to have some degree of empathy for her. Mm-hmm. Like she has, she's had a terrible life. Yeah. Um. But she's not absolved of all of it at the same time. When Willem Dafoe just like slow, like in, Celeste was born in uptown New like, York. She drank herself blind new in one eye. Details. She drank herself blind. She ran over this person. It's it's horrifying. Yes, it's horrifying. It makes me so sad. The the, <laughs> the 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 final during the like twenty minute uh, uh-huh. concert. Um, I forgot that there was the final Willem Dafoe voiceover where she. She made a deal with the devil. She made a deal with the devil, and now she's just here to make people feel good and forget about things. And mm-hmm. so I think what Vox Lux has to say about pop music is that, I don't know, the message is muddled. It's what you were saying. It's both. It's good and bad. There's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I listened to Braddy like, on the Directors Guild podcast uh-huh. talking about how this is basically a Trump movie and how, like, we have a reality star president, and if if this were a hundred years ago and someone like Trump became the president, he would probably have been killed by now by someone. Mm-hmm. And we can't like, we are in such a disillusioned place in our society that we can't like, we can't control the one person who we should be able to control because he works for us. And talking about like, that's why it's about terrorism and it's about 
and Celeste, when uh, Celeste's sister says, I'm going to tell the whole world that you didn't actually raise your daughter and, and Celeste says, who would care? And it's true. Like that is the media cycle we live in where, yeah, what does it matter? Because the sister writes the songs now too. Mm-hmm. She always wrote the songs. She is the wife. <gasps> The, the sister wife. The sister. Oh, she's the sister. She's the sister wife. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, did, I, I didn't catch that voiceover the first mm-hmm. time. So the deal with the devil voiceover, I thought, really was rich, layered, dark. It's quite meaningful. Yeah. And but, you, but but she isn't, she isn't like. Watching it a second time, you can see it as soon as she comes back from the coma that she th- at least thinks she's made a deal with the devil that she's going to be a famous pop star now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just admire the ugliness of the film. Oh, so do I. Yeah. Yeah. The Probably the ugliest scene for me is when she and Jude Law get fucked up oh, in the hotel room. It is fucked up. And, and then fuck. she falls out of the, uh, in, fr- into the frame. Boom. On Yes. And it's so, like. It's funny, but it's dark. It is. And it's. it's Celeste. Celeste. <laughs> and then when she throws the temper tantrum in the dressing room. <gasps> that really hit me the second time I saw it's it. It's so good. It's it just, is. It's just. Shattering to watch, and Raffi Cassidy is great, and yeah. I love In both roles. I love that she plays the daughter. I think it's a fun, clever little detail. One thing I wish this movie had is um, we don't get enough of like Raffi Cassidy becoming adult Celeste. Like it's said in the voiceover, like after the trip after she sees her sister fuck jude law Mm. that their relationship was forever broken and it says like they started taking two extremes in their personalities Mm. and we don't really see raffi cassidy start to become that extreme and and, and, and i would just wish there was i think the choice is that we're just going to like slam Slam. into the present tags flying out of your Mm. hand i don't care (laughs) I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty done over here. Um, oh. But, yeah, no, I, I wanted more I wanted more Raffi Cassidy as well in yeah. that way. But I, I understand the choice, but mm-hmm. it's just because I understand the choice doesn't mean it was the best choice. Yeah, I do too. When it goes from Genesis to Regenesis, it's, it's I was... Are those the names of the chapters? Yeah, the, the acts. So I, like, was pausing when I was watching, and it happens, like, it's almost like 50 minutes is the first. Yeah. And then it's, like, another... You know, hour, hour or something, and then it's the last twenty. Mm-hmm. But you don't. I mean, you don't get a lot of Raffi Cassidy. No. Like after that trip, after she sees the fucking. Well, and you do like, get a lot of Raffi Cassidy, but just as a different character. as a different character, right? Yeah. Of course. I mean, as young, Cel- you don't get a lot of young Celeste because it's basically like the trip, and that's when nine eleven happens, mm-hmm. and then we they're making the music video, and then we're in the future, in the present, opening with another terrorist attack. Yeah. Inspired by inspired music. by a hologram. Ooh. Uh, talk about the press conference scene. Oh, when she it's the best so scene of the movie. There has there has to be they have to do a press conference because she has her big homecoming, a film by Beyonce <laughs> concert that night in Staten Island, and there is this terrorist attack where they wear the masks from her hologram music video. And so she has to have a press conference where she says she's sorry for the people that have been killed and, you know, there's not enough info for us to cancel the concert. And she is thrown by some of the questions and she's she goes a little bit off book and she's like, fuck these guys. And she, I think it's 
before the she says I am the new religion like a little monologue I think it's I think it's the very first moment she like goes off book and says like fuck the guys who did this you see flash across Natalie's face just like oh my god I shouldn't have said that but I have to double down on this if I'm gonna do it and we and it's just like Natalie just has to be She's trying to reject being her actual emotional self and just try to be Celeste the pop star. And it's very complex. And like then, It's actually rich, layered, and complex. And it recalls and that, Becky something's relationship with herself and, yeah. and Myrtle's identity crisis as well. Mm-hmm. And that leads into the another great scene, which is when the recorder with um, the Christopher Abbott oh, interview, yeah. which is also a great scene. I like the Christopher Abbott. I like when she does the thing with the cough drop in her mouth, the... Yeah, when she like flips it in her mouth, it's mm-hmm. good. It is good. Natalie's good in this movie. Natalie's a good actress. People like to shit on Natalie, and I don't know why. Well, I just wanted the film to be more inspiring. Yeah. You know what the film was missing? Hope. Mm. To call back to opening night. <clears throat> All right, close this Anyway, out. I'm thrilled to say this has been another episode of Movies IMO. Wow, she's done. Uh, well, you know, it was the Her Smell episode, so it has to be a mess. Uh, and then and then it ends on a nice, serene. Wow moment of triumph for the boys wow you can follow our podcast movies imo on twitter at movies imo you can listen to us on apple Podcasts, stitcher Acast, several other platforms just give it a quick goog uh, my name is daniel crook you can find me on the internet at daniel crook with three o's and i'm gonna go hang up brandon's bicycle at oh. brandon's apartment yay fun. i'm gonna do some handy work great um, I'm Brandon Kirby. You can find me on Twitter being bullied by MCU fans at <laughs> DK Kirby. I'm Ben MP. You can find me on Twitter at Real Todd Haynes. You can find the podcast. I think I already said on Twitter at Movies IMO. I definitely did already say that. Um, next week we next are week. we are having a very next special week. episode on the pod. Oh, we are traveling back in time. Entering the time machine. We're getting in the time Slats. machine. We're uh, hopping back a few decades into a time of. Uh, Al Pacino before uh, before he's barking about great asses. Mm. Uh, before <laughs> Isabella Johnny got possessed. Ooh. Um, Ooh. You know. Before Spielberg was destroying Netflix. But, <laughs> and, and only a few months before Spielberg was like, no, Fellini beat me. That's already up for the Oscar. I didn't get nominated. And we're talking about That's the best video. It's the best video. We're talking about we're talking about the 48th annual Academy Awards. Mm. What, talking, what films? We're talking about the year 1975, right? Release year. Yeah, release year 1975 through the lens of the Academy Awards. So we are talking about Milos Forman's Best Picture winner, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <gasps> We're talking about Jaws. We're talking about Hal Ashby Shampoo. Shampoo. Talking about Robert Altman's Nashville. Mm. We're talking about Federico Fellini's Amar Kor. We are talking about Isabella <laughs> Johnny and the story of Adele H., mm. And finally, we will be talking about Akira Kurosawa's lone Soviet film, Dersu Uzala. Are we watching? So that's yeah. eight. That's eight <laughs> films. Yeah. We, I guess we do have two weeks. Yeah, eight films. We've got two weeks mm. to get our energy back and watch eight wow, films. I'm kill myself. But I have to. I have to record this thing joke. fresh off a flight. Same. Not me. So it's okay. But uh, we'll both be dead. I'm mm-hmm. pretty tired these days, mm. so I'll try and get some rest tonight. I will be just back from like a long vacation, though. You'll you be have relaxed. like you have like a short, frantic trip. 
Yeah. I'm going to the bush <laughs> to <laughs> to like sit in a chair and look at animals. Like That's Andrew cute. Garfield on a walk home at night. Yeah. Through the bush. Through the bush. I hope a squirrel splats in front of oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Riley Keough eats a dog in front of oh, you. Oh, fuck. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. <laughs>